You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Ikena Okeke of the Father's Church. Please join Pastor Ikena Okeke and be blessed. Praise the Lord. Okay, we thank God for this opportunity again to fellowship. And um, we are trusting God that soon and very soon we'll be able to gather physically. But um, the Spirit of God is more than enough. Praise the Lord. So everywhere you are, you can give a shout of praise and hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes, in your home, anywhere you are, God is there with us. And he says, where two or more are gathered together, we are gathered. I'm here, you're there. If it's just you watching, then we are two gathered in his name. And we know he's with us in Jesus' name. This morning, I have some meditations that I trust God to minister to us through. But before I begin that, I have a desire, which, you know, I pray to God always. And um, I'm still praying it, and I'm hoping that it will be, that I'll be able as a preacher, as a servant of the Most High God, to communicate to you the almightiness of God. You see, the whole purpose of what I do and what the preacher does and what most of us do is to communicate the knowledge of God. Our Lord Jesus Christ taught us saying that this is eternal life, that we may, that they may, we may know him, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, his son, whom he has sent. The knowledge of God will bring eternal life. The knowledge of God will bring prosperity. It will bring healing. It will bring righteousness. It will bring everything that you can imagine. But when we don't know God enough, when our God view is limited, when our God view is infected with viruses and different things, it translates into the life that we live and we come short of the best of God. My prayer is that we will know how great, the songwriter sang and says, how great is our God. Sing with me, how great. That song is still a question. The answer has not been, you know, given. Uh, somebody singing a beautiful song that I like, you know, um, walked upon the sea, you know, raised the dead. But anytime I sing that song, you know, what the Spirit of God ministers to me is, Walked upon the sea, said I created the sea. In fact, it says I gathered the waters of the earth upon the hollows of my hands. So if I think greatness and I see God walking upon the sea, then you can see that my view of God is still small. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 8, our Lord Jesus speaking there, he gave us a beat about what it is. He says, I, God, is the Alpha and the Omega. That Alpha means He's the origin of all things. Praise the Lord. He's God who was before there is anything. Praise the Lord. Before there was time, before there was a world, before there was me, before there was you, before anything, God was, is. Praise the Lord. And then he says he's omega. Omega means he's the last. He's the one who will wrap it all up. And not just is he going to wrap it all up, he will determine the end. In fact, not that he'll determine the end. The end will be as he has determined it already. Praise the Lord, somebody. So he says, I'm Alpha, Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord. He says, who is, who was, and who is to come. The last part is where I'm going. The Almighty. Anyone you can think of. 
I think it was on Wednesday that we said God introduced himself to Moses and said, I am that I am. Anything you call me, I will fill in the space. It's important as believers that every time we remind ourselves, this is the God we serve. This is the God we have been called to have dealings with. He is almighty. He's omnipotent. He's omnipresent. He's omniscient. He can do all things and he can do everything. And the beauty of it is this, unlike men, some things are difficult, but we are still able to do it. But with God, there is nothing difficult. So all things are as easy as all things to him. Praise the name of the Lord. You see, before God, lifting up a grain of sand is the same thing as lifting up a star, which may be bigger than the earth. That is how great he is. Praise God. Now, we also must comprehend the loveliness of God. The loveliness of God. In Jeremiah 31, please, you can put it for me, 3. If you have the message translation. Jeremiah 33, verse 3. It says, The Lord has appeared of old to me, saying, Yes, I've loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have what? Drawn you. The love God has for us. We know John 3, 16. It says, For God so loved the world. The love God has for us is a love that we could never comprehend. It's everlasting. Everlasting means it began before and it will outlast us. We will never be able to expire the love of God. Praise the Lord. Can you give me the message yet? It says, Met God out looking for them. God told them, I've never quit loving you and never will. He said, as for me, he says, expect love, love and what? More love. That's the way God wants us to see. He has enough love. Can we also do Zephaniah 3.17? What I'm saying is this, that I want to be able to communicate how much God's love, you know, how dear, how precious. He says in Zephaniah 3.17, he says, the, he said, the Lord your God in your midst. The mighty one, what will he do? Will save. He says he will rejoice over you with gladness. Now, let me take a step back in this. You see, a lot of times people can do things for you and they will do it without expression. Sometimes they can do it grudgingly. Sometimes they will do it happily. But this is what God is saying. I'm saving you and I'm saving you with gladness. He doesn't stop there. He says, I will quiet you with my love. And then he says what? He will rejoice over you with singing. Have you seen a mother and the baby? And the mother is just, the baby hasn't done anything. The baby may have pulled or something. And the mother is just singing. Why? Because her heart is overflowing with love. For that very child. This is how much God loves us. Praise the Lord. So the love God has for us. We must continue to pray. That God will open our understanding. To comprehend this love. The goodness of the Lord. That Exodus 34, 6, 7. We've talked about that all the time. The Lord introducing himself to Moses. Again, you know, when he was saying to him. I'm the Lord, the Lord God almighty. Merciful and gracious. Long suffering. And he went on and he says. I abound in goodness and truth. This is who God is. He's telling us this is who I am. And then if we look at all this and you also do not know what the Apostle Paul tells us about the severity of God. That's Romans 11.22. In Romans 11.22, it says, Therefore, consider the goodness and what? Severity of God. You see, God is good. But because he's God also, 
if he's just good to an extent and he doesn't have a severity to match it, people will ride over him. So because he's good, just like what we saw in Exodus 34, he says, abounding in goodness and mercy and forgiving iniquities, but by no means clearing the guilty. You know why? From the moment God made man, he gave us the right to choose. Remember, man was made in the image and likeness of God. Now, man can decide to refuse and rebel against God continually, without end. Now, if God allows such a man to continue without bringing him to judgment, then he's going to destabilize even the peace and the goodness and the love he has for us. So, God has to put in place a severity. And that is what the Apostle Paul is telling us. He says, toward those who felt severity, but to us, what? His goodness. And he says, if we continue in his goodness, my prayer is that you and I, knowing how good he is, will do what? will continue in his goodness. 2 Corinthians 5, 10 and 11. 2 Corinthians 5, 11. He says here also, the same apostle Paul speaking this. He says, knowing therefore what? The terror of the Lord. You see, this does not remove his almightiness. Just like anybody who has flown in an aircraft. If you're inside the aircraft... You enjoy the beauty of all the technology that is in that aircraft. But don't find yourself behind the engine when they started. The heat is going to blow you off. Don't find yourself in the wrong place. So what this is saying is this. You must see the largeness, the grandeur, the beauty, the majesty of God, the love of God, his greatness and his power. And then by relationship with him, you come into where all of that works for you. Praise the Lord. And that is what the Apostle Paul is actually saying in this 2 Corinthians 5, 11. He says, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord. He says, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord. Easy to reversion says, we, we try to convince men. We, we are trying to explain to men. You see, we persuade men because of what we know so that they can get into the best side of God. Praise the Lord. So this is what I pray and desire all the time. That you will know God. That we will know God. That we will be the best for knowing him in the name of Jesus Christ. So that is actually just the background or just something that has been on my mind. And I'd like us to come as we meditate on an account in the Bible in Second Kings chapter 3. It's an account that you may have, um, I think we've looked at it here before in church before. Second Kings chapter 3. We're going to read from verse 5. It's an account of some kings. Let me read quickly because of time. Second Kings 3, 5. It says, But it happened when Ahab died that the king of Moab rebelled against the king of Israel. So King Joram went out of Samaria at that time and mustered all Israel. Then he went and sent to Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, saying, the king of Moab has rebelled against me. Will you go with me to fight against Moab? And he said, I will go up. I am as you are, and my people as your people. My horses as your horses. Then he said, which way shall we go? And he answered, by way of the wilderness of Edom. So the king of Israel went with the king of Judah and the king of Edom. And they marched on that roundabout route seven days. And there was no water for the army nor for the animals that follow them. And the king of Israel said, Alas, for the Lord has called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of the Lord. Now remember we said, everyone who knows God must know his goodness. God will never set you up 
Praise the Lord. This is a manifestation of lack of knowledge of this God. He says, alas, the Lord has called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. This is what this king of Israel is saying. As we go further, we see that he can only have this conclusion because he has a virus-infected knowledge of God. Praise the Lord. He's actually a worshiper of Baal. But Jehoshaphat said, Is there no prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of the Lord by him? So one of the servants of the king of Israel answered and said, Elisha, the son of Shaphat, is here, who poured water on the hands of Elijah. Can you imagine this environment? Elisha was in this environment, and yet this king was not interested in knowing what God is saying. He was making his conclusions. That is why we read the Bible. That is why we come to church. That is why we study. So that we will know what God is saying. As we go on, I'm going to come to something as a follow-up from what we learned on Wednesday. But let's just go on quickly. So, Jehoshaphat said, we know Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat is the king that will praises God the victory in the battle. So, he said, is there no prophet... This is how a man, a child of God reasons. No matter the situation, you want to find what is God saying. Like we've established, God is Alpha and his what? Omega. His beginning and his the end. And he's almighty. It means there is no rot. There is no circumstance. There is no difficulty that if you involve God, you will not come out of it. Praise the Lord. The Bible says he's able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him. So, Jehoshaphat made them say, let's get a prophet. We know we're in trouble. We have marched around seven days and there's no water. If you've seen a desert, you understand what it is. And the soldiers and the army and the animals and all of that is a severe problem. And when Jehoshaphat made this request, Elisha was, you know, mentioned to be there. And Jehoshaphat said, the word of the Lord is with Elisha, praise the Lord. The word of the Lord is with him. Now, this statement here is critical, and that is part of what we are going to expand as we go on this month. It says the word of the Lord is with him. On Wednesday, we also looked at the supremacy of the word of God and the efficiency of the word of God, irrespective of the situation, isn't it? Now, we have also started today saying that God is all this. He's almighty, he's love, he's good, he's gentle, he's powerful, and all of that. And how does God communicate all that he is to you and I? He communicates it by his word. So when God speaks to you, God actually delivers to you his mercy. He delivers to you his power. He delivers to you his goodness. If you don't hear the word of God, you automatically cut short. Let me pray myself. In 1 Corinthians 18, we're going to come back to continue that reading, please. In 1 Corinthians 1.18, the Bible says something here. It says, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are what? Perishing. But to those of us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Why? It says, for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. It says, where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has God not made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through what? The foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. You can imagine God in his wisdom has said that salvation will be through preaching, not through climbing a tree. 
not through climbing a mountain. Some people, you know, Mount Everest, you're going to see some people when they write their story, they say they've climbed this mountain or they've attained this height or they've crossed this place. Salvation, God has said, the way I will save men, the longest distance ever to be covered, that will ever be covered, is being saved from hell and being saved to heaven. And he said, the way I'm going to do it is by the message that is preached. This word that you're hearing now is able to take a man from hell to heaven. I pray that if you're watching and you're not yet saved, today will be your own day of salvation in the name of Jesus. And if you're already saved, let it be a day of deliverance, a day of transformation, a day of lifting you out of where you can't see tomorrow or what God has for you into where the visions of God are clear for you. But what I'm trying to establish here is the supremacy, the import of the word of God. It says the word of the Lord is with him. The word of the Lord is pure, tried in a furnace seven times. You see, the word of God is so effective. That the Bible equates it to silver that has been tried in the furnace. And time and time and time again, it is found pure. It is found stable. It is found working. In fact, one translation says, in heaven and on earth, it has been found to work. Now, if anybody knew today the world is looking for a vaccine or treatment against coronavirus, you can imagine if a treatment is found that works in China, that works in the U.S., that works in Madagascar, and also works in uh, Ikoi. Everybody is going to run for it, isn't it? The word of God is more effective. Praise the Lord. And God has determined what I will do in my world. What I will do in this world I created will be through the foolishness of preaching. What am I trying to say? Child of God, take the word of God spoken or read or by whatever means seriously. Why? Because God takes it seriously like we saw in 1 Corinthians 1. Praise the Lord. So, so we continue the story. So it says, Joseph has said the word of the Lord is with him. In essence, it's saying deliverance will come from him. Somebody will get deliverance today. In the name of Jesus. Because the world will bring deliverance. How did Jesus heal many people? He'll say to them, go show yourself to the priest. It's a word. But the Bible says, as they went, they were healed. He will say, go wash in the pool of Siloam. How did the prophet Elisha heal the Syrian commander? He said, go and dip. It's the word. The word is powerful. Why? It has pleased God. That is the key I want you to get here. God has said, I will work with my word. I will work with my word. I will save with my word. I don't know about the experience, but being a preacher and being, you know, being a Christian for some time, I've had situations where you minister to somebody and you could see the person's countenance. You could see the person downcast. You could see the person overburdened. And you preach the gospel. You share the truth of Jesus Christ. And somehow faith rises in this person's heart. The person believes and says, pray for me. And the moment the person finishes praying, the prayer of salvation, calling on Jesus as Lord. You look at the same person. You can see light. The face has transformed. The countenance has changed. You know what has happened? In that moment, as the word came, all the guilt and the burden of sin, the accusation of Satan upon that person. Once the person receives that word and believes, it's offloaded of the person. And what the person has now is the spirit of God inside him. You look at such a person, you see the difference. 
In fact, even if you observe their step, you see a bounce. Some people are overwhelmed with sorrow and, you know, and they weep. But there's a newness of life that comes out. How did that come about? By the word of God. You see, by the word of God. All I'm trying to do today is to help you see the way this almighty God communicates with man. It's very important because many people are looking for other things and are missing what God is doing. Why? Because it is simple. The Bible calls it through the foolishness of preaching. This is what it says. So if you think it's foolish, it might be foolish. We celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And we know it's a virgin birth. It's the miraculous birth. It's the birth that initiates what we believe as Christians. That the virgin conceived. How did it work? The word of God came to the virgin and said you shall bring forth a child that is it there was nothing she didn't have a vision and something happened to her it was the word of god coming to her i pray that as the word of god comes to you faith will rise up in your heart to receive in the name of jesus so the king joseph said the word of the lord is with him let's go and find him so the king of israel joseph the king of judah and the king of edom went down to him and Elisha said to the king of Israel, What have I to do with you? Go to the prophets of your father and the prophets of your mother. But the king of Israel said to him, No, <laughs> for the Lord has called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. Now this king of Israel was saying, I need help. I need help. And the beauty of the Lord is that anytime a man, anytime a person, Anytime anyone calls on him, he's always eager. He's always willing to hear and to have mercy. Praise the Lord. And Elisha said, verse 14, As the Lord of hosts lives, before whom I stand, surely were it not that I regard the presence of Joseph, king of Judah, I would not look at you nor see you. Verse 15, he says, But now bring me a musician. King James was saying, minstrel, bring me a musician, then it happened. When the musician played, that the hand of the Lord came upon him. And he said, thus says the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. For thus says the Lord, you shall not see wind, nor shall you see rain. Yet that valley shall be filled with water, so that you, your cattle, and your animals may drink. And this is a simple matter in the sight of the Lord. He will also deliver the Moabites into your hand. Praise the Lord. Now, see what is happening here now. These three kings set out to battle. And before the battle even began, before they even got to their opponents, they were about to die of thirst, both their animals and the soldiers. And this problem they had drove them. If they didn't thirst, they would have gone to battle directly. And most likely, they would have lost that battle. But they had a problem along the journey that prevented them from trying to accomplish their purpose without God's intervention. So they made uh, a necessary adjustment and inquired and called on the Lord to give them water. So the thing that brought them to God was a need for water to quench their thirst. When they got to this place... They saw a man of God, the prophet of the Lord, Elisha. And Elisha first corrected something. He said, when you come to God, you have to have a standing. 
The king of Israel, you did not have the standing, but Jehoshaphat has the standing. That will give us a bit of a picture of the intercessor. Many of us who have standing with God, people in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our places of work, depend on us. I am who I am now because somebody prayed for me. Everyone who is born again here, somebody lifted it up to in prayer. Maybe even the church you attended, maybe a friend, maybe a family member. But Jehoshaphat, it was because of Jehoshaphat that Elisha granted audience and brought salvation. That's one. Two, now, before Elisha could speak, he said, get me a minstrel, get me a musician. What was he saying? He's saying, I need to get into the spirit. Praise the Lord, somebody. I need to connect to this God. I need to get some things away, out of my mind. You see, God does not shout. If anybody is here and there is a situation and you're hearing a lot of shouting, it's most likely not God. God dwells in the quiet place. He, he, see, when he was going to appear to the servant, he was not in the wind. He was not in the earthquake. He was not in the storm. He was a still small voice. Most times, if God is speaking to you, he will not be shouting. So you might need to quiet your heart. That's why the Bible admonishes us, be anxious for nothing. If you're very anxious, most likely you may not hear what God is saying. But why? Because he that comes to God must believe that word. God is. When you come to him, you arrive. You unpack your bag and say to him, Jehovah, Abba Father, I've come to you and I know you can do all things. And just settle down and his word will come forth. Praise the Lord. So Elisha came to this situation and as music was being ministered, he heard the voice of the Lord. And the first statement he made was what? Thus says the Lord, what? Make this valley full of ditches. Now, 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 what is, what is he saying? These people want water. Praise the Lord. What their problem was, was lack of water. Why are you telling us to dig ditches? Now, if you have been thirsty, these people, the Bible says, seven days, they had gone round about and no water. Which energy are they going to use to make ditches? How can that be the man you make of them? How is this reasonable? But remember the place we read in 1 Corinthians 1 says, through the foolishness of preaching. Oftentimes, what God will ask you to do when you come to him will not be wise according to the people of this age. It will not be wise according to human reasoning. We looked, we looked at that on Wednesday as well. Why? Because you see, the natural man has this problem. The natural man is ignorant of his origin. He finds himself, okay, let's even take a professor or let's take a, a, a neurophysicist. Okay, so most likely he's in his 40s or, you know, late 30s before he gets to that level. And then he begins to look at the world and he gets up and says, um, in my mind now, is, a, is it Darwin's theory of um, origin and all of that? And these people grow up, and all of a sudden they say, man, you know, man evolved from, you know, monkeys and all of that. You know, man just came, and the world was created from a big bang and all of that. They say this, and people call them intelligent. You know, people call them intelligent. It's amazing that somebody will look at himself and look at our world and look at the sun that goes round the earth and the moon and all of that. And they are so accurate that time is built from their study. And someone will say all of that was by accident. Why is that so? 
Because man does not know his origin. And in that confusion of not knowing his origin, he puts on a pseudo, you know, creator, you know, title upon himself. And decides to name everything like Adam was told to name. Name and call everything what he wants to call it. Now, unfortunately, in all of that, as man does that, inside of him, his conscience bears witness to him that he's empty. Around him, occurrences happening around him bear witness to him that he doesn't know what he's saying. That's what the coronavirus is teaching us now. You see, every forecast that was made for the world in this season, nobody forecasted people who were investing in airplanes and, you know, a lot of the airlines had ordered. If they had known any bit of this, they would have prepared a bit. But you see, events and occurrences around man and those even within the heart of man keep confirming to him that you are not in charge. They keep bearing witness, you're not in charge. Even when the man, you know, seems to catch what he's looking for, the wise man, Solomon, Ecclesiastes says to us, all is vanity, because he gets it and he says, that's not what he's looking for. The emptiness is there. Why? Because he has missed out on his origin. And why do you have to connect to your origin? Because it is the one who started that will tell you how it will run through. You see, wisdom... It's beautiful. Intelligence is beautiful. But if you're coming from the wrong direction, everything will be upside down. What am I trying to say? Make this valley full of ditches. It's an instruction given by the creator of the world. The one who knows how everything he has made is going to function. So if these men were purely scientific, they would have calculated the labor, the sweat, the effort it will cost them to make these ditches. They might as well take it and journey home. They will die before the ditches are made. And remember, I say, make this valley what? Food, not one ditch. Make this valley. They wanted rain. They wanted something to come from and just help them. But God, who created the world, God, who finished his work, was saying, this is my provision for you to get the water you need. Let me backstep here a bit. Come with me to Hebrews chapter 4. In Hebrews chapter 4, You know, the Bible gives us some interesting dimension of the way God works. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will help us to catch it today in Jesus' name. The Bible says, I'll read from verse 1. It says, therefore, since the promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of us seem to come short of it. It says, for indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. For we who have believed do enter that rest, as they have said, so I swore in my wrath that they shall not enter my rest. Although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. Now see what is happening here. Remember on Wednesday we said God is walking. And here we are now saying God has finished his work. Is it contradictory? No. Let me tell you the way it is. It's like a programmer. When the programmer, you know God is the original coder. Anybody who codes here. God is the original coder. When the programmer finishes writing the program, what happens? As you impute variables into the program, what happens? Activities are going on. But the programmer is no longer programming. Praise the Lord. So God is working in the sense that his program is working. But he has entered into his rest in the sense that he has long finished the coding. Praise the Lord. So it says there now remains what? A rest. A rest. When you cooperate with the program, you will get the result you desire. Let me step back. You know, and I make this confession. When I listen, I process what I listen. And many years ago, many, many years ago, I was listening to a preacher. 
And he said, favor is when preparation meets with opportunity. I said, no. Uh, if it's preparation meeting with opportunity, what's favor there now? Favor should mean that I'm on my own, isn't it? And somebody just sent me an alert of uh, five million, isn't it? Hallelujah. That's favor now. Praise the Lord. So I didn't agree. I didn't agree. How can favor be when preparation meets with opportunity? But as I grew and, you know, became more understanding, I saw that he was right. However, I wish he had put it this way. And this is the way I put it here. Favor is when opportunity meets a prepared person. Because you see, favor must meet you. Praise the Lord. Whatever it is must come to you. You can't generate it. So when you say preparation meets with opportunity, it's as though you can find favor. You know, you can go and search and take it. If it's that way, then everybody will be able to get it. But when opportunity meets a person that is prepared, favor happens. Praise the Lord. Now, so when I say somebody sends me an alert of five million, what if the person calls me and I don't answer his call and I'm not able to send my account number? What has happened? Maybe you see the number and you say, oh, these people are troubling me and you don't take the call. What has happened? You are not prepared. The opportunity has come, but what? You have not prepared. And the people say opportunity knocks, but you will not miss your opportunity in Jesus' name. What am I trying to say? God has created his world and is eager to bring you and I into the finished work. He's eager to connect us so that we can enter into a place of rest. Now, Jehoshaphat, the king of Israel and the king of Moab, they needed water. And God said, I'm going to give you water. This is how you connect with it. Prepare to receive water by what? Making this valley full of ditches. Every time you and I come to God, God has finished his part. And everything God is asking us to do is never to help him. It's to connect you with what he has already done. Now, what does the word ditch mean? Ditches are storage. Or what you may call channels. So when he said, make this valley full of ditches, he was saying, create a channel for me. If you check it in the dictionary, ditches, channels. Or another word you can call it is conduit. God is saying, create a conduit for me so I can what? I can reach you. On Wednesday, we talked about sowing and reaping. The reason you sow is not that you want to throw away. It's because you want to reap. The only connection between you and reaping, you're eating corn in this season and you're eating yam in this season, is only possible because the last sowing season, somebody sowed corn. Somebody sowed yam. If nobody sowed corn or yam, there will be nothing to harvest. Now, somebody cannot step back and say, what does God mean? Why must I sow? God doesn't say you must sow. He said, I've finished my work. I've created a harvest of yam. I've created a harvest of corn. If you want to enter into that rest, he said, obey me. What is that obedience? Sow the seed. And what will happen? The harvest will automatically come back to you. That's the way it works. Why? Because he has finished. He has programmed his world. Praise the Lord. However, anytime you don't see and you don't believe that God is good, that God is wise, that God is able, it will be difficult for you to cooperate with his pre-finished work. That's what the Bible was telling us in Hebrews 4. When he began to say to us here, he says, let me read from 3 where I stop. He says, so we who have believed do enter that rest. Can you see? Entering into that rest is not by labor. It's by believing. Because what we do after we believe can never be labeled. 
in this case, digging this ditch might appear as labor. But if you read to the end of the story, he said to them, or rather if you read to the end of the chapter, you will see that it was also by that ditch that the battle was won. Because their enemies saw the water and God made the sun he created to reflect on the water. So when the enemies saw the water, they saw blood. Can you see how one act of obedience is generating multiple, you know, streams of testimony? I pray that somebody will obey God today in the name of Jesus. So he says, although the works were finished from the foundation of the earth. So he has said, verse 4, he has spoken in a certain place on the seventh day in this way. And God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this place, he says, they shall not enter my rest. Now look at verse 6. 6 says, since therefore it remains that some must enter it. And to those to whom it was first preached did not enter because of disobedience. Again, he designates a certain day saying in David today after such a long time as he has been said today if you will hear his voice what do not harden your heart now it goes on and says for if Joshua had given them rest then he would not afterward have spoken of another day there remains therefore a rest for the people of God for he who has entered his rest has himself also what ceased from his works as God did from his. So it's possible for the Christian, it's possible for you and I to cease from the works. You see, that work you see there is the work that came as a result of the fall. Remember, before the fall, there was a work, but it was not toy. You remember your Bible? The moment God put Adam and Eve in the garden, what did he say? Tend and keep it. That type of work is different from the work that started in Genesis 3. When he says, in the sweat of your face. There are two different. There is the work that brings pleasure. That is the difference between when you see somebody who is carrying load, the laborer in a building site. And then when you see somebody who is carrying iron in a gym. One is paying to do what he's doing. One is paid to do. Why? Because the other one's work is a form of rest. I want us to understand that. Praise the Lord. So verse 11 says, let us therefore be one. Diligent to enter that rest. Lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. What the Bible is saying here is this. God has finished his work. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I believe many of us have had this experience. Have you bought something that was sealed, maybe with, um, that had a seal in a package. And you didn't see where they wrote you should open it from. Praise the Lord. You didn't see where they put some little mark and you're supposed to tear that place and the whole thing, you know, unwraps. Now, you made effort. Sometimes some of us will use scissors. Some will use knife. And we are working hard to open that package. Only after a while for you to see that the makers of the product had written carefully on this side, open from here. And if you go to that place where they said open, even the baby could open it. That's how the word of God is. Anytime you're in disobedience, you struggle. Anytime you're in disobedience, you will toil, you will sweat. But when you're in the place of obedience, it's rest. It's like finding that little corner and you pull it, the whole thing opens. Why? Because, because, very important, like we said, because God is Alpha and Omega, when he created the world, he had put means of deliverance. He had put means of salvation. He had put means of provision. 
And if the child of God listens to the voice of God, he will know, he will follow the leading like we learned last Sunday. The leading of the Holy Spirit. And he'll find that all things are working together for what? He's good. Even those things that are seemingly not positive. So make this valley full of ditches. God said, create for me a conduit. And today God is saying to somebody, create for me a conduit. You've been crying to me. You've been calling on me. He said, I need a channel. That's what it means. Ditch means channel. It means trench. It means a waterway. I want to send something to you. Make ditches for me. Make ditches. Can I come? John the Baptist said, I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Have you prepared a way for the Lord? In this season, I know a lot of people are going through difficulties and all of that. But never for a second imagine that God is unmindful of your position. God knows your position. When they say GPS, global positioning system, before there was a global positioning system, there was a God position system. He knows everywhere you are. Praise the Lord. So God knowing where you are will send his word to you. And that word is a word of deliverance. We looked on Wednesday, I believe we did that. We looked at the prophet with the widow. This widow was about to eat with her son, their last meal, and die. And God knowing where she was, not because God was in need, but because the widow was in need, sent the prophet and said, go and make a request of that widow. And the moment the widow responds by sowing to you the prophet, she will receive a prophet's reward. And that was how come that widow and her son did not die neither of starvation nor of infirmity. Because the boy actually fell sick. Because God, who knows the end from beginning, had created a way and said, make a channel so I can come into your home. Today, God is saying to you, my son, my daughter, quit complaining and quit lamenting. Hear the word of the Lord and respond to me. Why? There is a rest for you. I can bring you into a place, whether it's your finances, whether it's your relationship, whether it's your body, whether it's a healing you need. God is saying, I have created a means, but you must make a channel for me. So Hebrews 4 continues to say to us, it says, I continue from 11 where I stopped. It says, let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest. Enter that rest. You see, praise the Lord. That rest Another way we can picture that rest is the rest of a child whose father or whose mother was going out and said to the child, do this and do this in the house, you know, go and get this or go and do this or do your homework or whatever. When the child hears the sound of the parent's car, of the father's car coming back and the child has either done, has done what the father asked him to do. How do you think the child will be waiting for the father? How? With excitement. With excitement. Ready to receive everything the father or the mother is coming home with. But if the same child, no matter what the father or the mother is coming home with, if the same child has not entered into the rest by obeying what the father or the mother said to do when they went out, if they're coming in with the best of good things, that same child cannot have a rest. Inside of the child will be a disease, an unrest. Why? Because he has not entered into the rest. The father's position is constant. 
But because this child did not cooperate, he has stepped out and there will be no channel or conduit for this child to benefit in the goodness that the father or the mother is coming back with. That is what God is saying to you and I today. It's not the situation. Take your eyes off the situation. Take your eyes, some of us, by reason of the work in our profession, we have not been able to work. Some people, their shops have been closed for almost two months now. Some people can't do the transportation they do. Some people, the nature of their business requires you a photographer, you know, you're a stylist, you're, you're a makeup artist, and all of that. You're not able to do all that you should do. But I bring you the word of the Lord. He's saying something to you now. He's saying, make this period full of ditches. Because I will come to you through those ditches. Look at the second part of that statement where we have. Verse 17 says, very important. I wish you have your Bible so you can read it together with me. It says, verse 17 says, For thus says the Lord, you shall not see wind. Now, it's good that we are praying that this whole thing will end. And I pray to end because it's not a comfortable situation. But God is saying, don't wait for the wind. Praise the Lord. Remember he's almighty. Remember we said that nothing is easy. Or nothing is easier for him because he's almighty. Hallelujah. The load of one hair on my head and the piece of, this piece of paper on my head will really not make any difference. Why? Because they are too light to influence or to affect me. The same way because of the almightiness of God. God can bring a solution for you, even in the midst of this pandemic. The Spirit of God said to them here, you will not see wind. You will not see rain. Yet, water will bring. That's the God you serve. Somebody should shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's the God you serve. The songwriter calls him the God of wonders beyond the galaxies. He's a mighty God. He's a wonder-working God. You see, you must comprehend. These are the things that make it easy for people to obey God. Because if I say I'm looking for wind before my solution will come, I'm looking for rain before he'll give us water, then it might be difficult to truly obey him when he says to do something. But remember, I said that passage where we read in 1 Corinthians 1, it says the Jews, they are looking for a sign. They are looking for a sign. But remember, Jesus said to them, no sign is going to be given to you except the sign of prophet Jonah. You see, the Greeks, what are they looking for? He said they want wisdom, something that makes sense. So if you're going to bring water, tell us that it's rainy season coming and that this is happening and this is happening. But God, because he's almighty, has the right to bypass any of the means he himself has created to glorify his name. So he said to them, this is happening and you are going to get water. Praise the Lord. Somebody needs to say to the Lord, Lord, help my unbelief. Lord, I trust you to overtake process. <laughs> Listen to me. Somebody can get a job under the COVID-19. People are losing their jobs. You can get a job now. Yes, you do not have to see. You see, I want you to see that God can bring water without rain. He can bring water without wind. The only thing necessary here is obedience. And that obedience, like we've warned, might sound foolish. That obedience, if you took it to three or four people to bounce it off them, they will say, forget this thing. It will never work. Somebody, God is going to give inspiration to create something. 
to start up something, to have ideas that had never been imagined. All in the midst of this pandemic, the lockdown. You see, praise the Lord. I, I think it was Newton. New, it was in Newton, Law of Gravity, that it was during a lockdown in his time that he discovered the Law of Gravity. Did you know that? So don't allow yourself to be drawn down to the level of the elements. The God of the elements is your God. And his means of communication with you is not the elements. It is his word. In the order, he speaks and it happens. In fact, the Bible says to us that you and I should not look at the things which are visible. For the things which are visible have already been spoken into being. And they are going away. But you should what? Set your mind on things which are what? Invisible. For those ones are eternal. You can step back and connect to what God is doing. And that's why faith encourages us. Or rather, faith comes by hearing the word of the Lord. Faith does not come by understanding circumstances and analyzing it. Faith comes by stepping aside of circumstances and saying, what is the Lord saying? And today, what the Lord is saying today is what? Make a channel for me. I am coming. Behold, he comes riding upon the clouds. Jehovah is coming, but he needs you to do what? Create a pathway so that when he comes, he can enter into you and you will be the person who opportunity is meeting as a prepared person in the name of Jesus Christ. So we have this account and like the prophet said, verse 18 says, this is a simple matter in the sight of the Lord. He will also deliver the Moabites into your hand. So not only is he going to give you what you thought was your problem, when you cooperate with him, he will solve your problem and then show you his grandeur, show you his power, show you his majesty. Somebody watching today, maybe your problem is an illness, but God wants to show you the future he has prepared for you. For Joseph, when he was in the prison in Egypt, his problem was he needed to get out of prison and be transported back home to join his Hebrew family. But when God brought him out, he did not transport him back home. When God brought him out, he elevated him. And he became a prime minister in the land of Egypt. Now listen, let, let me help you understand the miracle that happened with Joseph. The Jews were an abomination to the Egyptians. Everything about him was wrong. It was so wrong. There was no way that he should have been accepted for that position. If anything, they could have hid him in the background and maybe consulted him when they needed him. But when God lifts a man, when God's word, the Bible says of Joseph, he says, until his word came to pass. He says the word of the Lord tried him until his word came to pass. When the word of God comes to meet you, praise the Lord, to answer you, to solve your problem, it changes everything about you. And every other thing begins to take its bearing from the word of the Lord. Why? Because the word of the Lord is powerful. The word of the Lord is mighty. Now, as we conclude, I want to beg us. As we go back to Hebrews 4, we're looking at it. Let us see. Verse 11 says, let us be diligent to enter that rest. What is the purpose of preaching? To let you know that this is how God wants to connect. When Jesus introduced himself saying, I'm the way. What was he saying? Many religions, you know, a question a lot of people ask. 
Why do you think? Who makes you think? Who, who, why should you think that Christianity is the only way to God? Well, I will say to them, I'm not saying Christianity is the only way to God. Christianity is the only way God has given that you come to him. Praise the Lord. You're watching now, John. I don't know your house. Imagine where you give me the direction to your house. And I say, what makes you think that is the only way to your house? I'm going to find my own way. Where do you think I will end up? I probably may end up in Sambisa. You know why? Because the Bible says there is no other name. Giving under heavens by which what men shall be saved. When Jesus says, I'm the way, he's saying, I'm the way God gave. No man can come to the Father unless by me. Why? Because I'm the one sent by the Father. All the other people are trying to find their ways. Praise the Lord. All the other people are going different routes, trying to find their ways with intelligence, you know, with self-denial and all of that. But God has made his own way so that in Christ, everything that God has created for you and I is in him. The Bible says we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places where in Christ, he is the way God. God said this is the way. Many of us remember if you schooled in Nigeria, I don't know how it is abroad, but if you schooled in Nigeria, you understand when the professor says, give me the way I gave it to you. Probably in your study, you found out a better way. But wisdom will tell you, drop your better way and give this prof the way he studied it in 1956. If not, you will fail that course. And no senate of the university will be able to deliver you. Why? This prof has said, this is the way I want you to come to me. In Christ Jesus, he has said, this is the way you come to me. And that way is the way of faith. And thank God is a way that if you think about it, is a way that is exciting. Is a way that is humbling. Is a way that is beautiful. It is a way that is magnificent. For God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son. The truth is this. Every other person that claims to have some some form of religion and trying to get to God. They've never been able to solve that problem. Of how does a created being connect with the creator and relate. You don't climb up to heaven. It's not possible. But in Christ Jesus, God has become man. So that he became the reconciler between us and God. So that in him, the man and the God are met together. And when Jesus Christ arose from the dead, when he went back, I read somewhere, he said when he rose and ascended back to heaven, he left the doors open. So that as many as will come through him will have access. And remember, he said, he will say to the father, these are my brothers. These are my sisters. So what am I saying today? There is a rest God has prepared. But you must find it his way. You must go by his way. And that way is not that difficult. It's the way of obedience. Obedience is difficult for many of us because we don't have faith. You see, everything the word of God says is one. I hope we know that. When the Bible says believe God. When the Bible says love God, when the Bible says trust God, when the Bible says um, serve God, all of that is one. Because when we know him, all these are natural reactions to him. Now, why am I saying obedience is difficult? Because we don't have faith. When you see the future and the promise and the things God has for you, there is nothing that they will tell you to do 
that you say is difficult. Am I right? Thank God for these people. They dug ditches. And we are reading the story down. And we see the beautiful victory they had. But imagine if there was no faith in their hearts. And they analyzed and calculated. We are thirsty here. We are worn out here. What we need is water. Actually what we need now is a shade. We need to lie down in the shade. And rest until water comes. They will probably have died of thirst. But somehow in their eyes. They could see God provide water. And because they could see that provided water. They could labor the labor of faith. This morning I just want to encourage somebody. There is one step between you and the miracle. There is one step between you and the promise. And to start that step I need you to lift your eyes of faith. He that comes to God must believe that he is. God is almighty. We started with it. God loves you. God is good. God will not tell you something and then play tricks on you. God forbid. All he's saying to you today is this. Can you follow me through and through? Can you trust me that what you're asking for is already done? Can you come into the rest of those who have believed God? Can you lay aside, you know, the weights and the sin that so easily beset you? Can you take off those things that you know I don't like? Can you begin to live your life like somebody who wants my attention? Can you make it known to principalities and powers that all you have is God and all you see? The songwriter says, all I see is you. Can you begin to rearrange yourself to say, I'm not mindful of anything. Lord, I see you. And as I see you, I see possibilities. I see answers. I see victory. I see the love you have for me. I see a future that is concluded. I wrote here. I said, faith. The thing about faith is this. Faith must see that God has already finished the work. God has already finished the work. Have you seen that? Faith must see that God has done what he said he would do. And now you know the next thing faith does. Faith begins to move in the direction of what God has done. That's what it is. Father, we thank you. Lord, we give you praise. Thank you for water. Thank you for provision. Thank you for the things that you have freely provided for us. Thank you for we know that your work is finished. This morning, we enter into your rest. Somebody hooked on to this service with a lot of questions. And the Lord is saying to you, it's already done. In the name of Jesus. It is already done. He says, as I am God, I am almighty. And you don't have to see wind. Yes, you don't have to see rain. The psalmist wrote, it says the exaltation does not come from the east nor west. He said, but God is the judge. So, I'm looking for what I'm looking for. And I'm not looking to the sides. Today we're saying as a church, our eyes are set on you. Our faith is locked onto you. We lift our eyes. Where does my help come from? Lord, my help is not coming from the mountain. My help is not coming from the east as well. It's not coming from there. My help is coming from beyond the skies. From the God, the God of origins. The God of beginnings and the end. 
You are my God. I set my gaze on you. So can we take a prayer as we round up? Lord, increase my faith. Lord, increase my faith. Because this will bring rest. Oh yes, this will bring rest. Concerning that burden, it will bring rest. When my faith connects with God, it will bring rest. It says, let us be diligent to enter that rest. Lord, increase my faith. In other words, you're praying, Lord, increase my obedience. Perfect my obedience. For the lepers, he said, go show yourself to the priest. He took obedience. He took obedience. For this we say, make this valley full of ditches. For somebody, you know what God is saying to you to do. And if adventure, what God is saying to you is appearing as though it's difficult, then let me give you another prayer to pray. The Bible makes us understand in Hebrews 4, the same place we are reading down to 14 and 16. He says, we do not have a high priest. Or rather, verse 14 says, seeing that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. He's saying here that you and I have a high priest. We have a high priest. The high priest is there for us on our behalf. He says, 15 says, this high priest can sympathize with our weaknesses. Why? Because it was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Verse 16 says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy. Mercy where there is weakness. The strength of God, God answers. God infuses strength in our weaknesses. He renews our strength. He renews our mind. Somebody, they, they, your mind has been messed up with. But today in the presence of God, ask of him and you will receive a newness, a freshness, a confidence, a revelation, an illumination. Father, we thank you. Lord, we give you praise. We give you the glory. Thank you for my faith is strengthened. Thank you, Jesus. And I will go creating a channel. I will make ditches. I'll be ready, oh Lord, for I know that you're coming to meet with me. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. We give you praise and glory. Hallelujah. In Jesus Christ's name we have prayed. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to a message by Pastor Ikenao Keke of the Father's Church. We are sure you've been blessed. We invite you to worship with us at Eden Center, Banex Guarimpa Expressway, near Next Kashinkari, Abuja. For telephone 09-290-9000 or 0703-158404. You can find us online at www.thefatherschurchonline.com. God bless you.